this. 1 Corinthians 7, 35, we'll get right in and we'll worship team come back up at the end and just do a little worship on the back end of this. Oh, Jesus. It says this. And this I say for your own profit. Not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, that you may serve the Lord without distraction. And you know, if you got a Bible, you should circle it. If you got a phone out with it, you should highlight it. Whatever you should do, you should remind yourself, even that back end, just what is it? That you may serve the Lord without distraction. I'm not trying to put a leash on you, he's saying. He's like, listen, I just want you to serve the Lord without distraction. This ain't like a leash of rule. This is a freedom for your life. That you may serve the Lord without distraction. What a powerful thing. It's a great verse. There's a lot of them in the Bible. And, and maybe many of you today that are listening and just have this moment in worship that you're in the middle of a miracle. And the only thing that can stop Jesus from getting to you in the midst of the storm is you getting distracted. Being in the middle of a miracle and Jesus trying to get to you in the storm is you getting distracted. That's the thing that's going to stop the miracle from happening. Just for a few minutes, I want to talk to you about natural distractions. Again, just like last week, we talked about self-distraction. But natural distractions. If you let them go in your life, it's what it's going to be. They'll turn into natural disasters. Because with natural disasters, it's a huge rebuilding process. These natural distractions that happen in our life can, if not focus on Jesus, can turn into a disaster. We have to focus on who he is. I don't know why, but God wouldn't let me move from this position of, of distraction. I think this, talking about distraction is more vital today than it's ever been ever before. It's more important right now than it's ever been before. The distractions are unreal that we face every day. We live in a time of peril and potential. We live in a time of, it's a perilous time, it is a, a potential time. It is a crazy, almost like when heaven meets earth. We got all this stuff going on, and but yet there's still potential. We got all this stuff going on. <coughs> we hear a lot of people say that the signs of the times. That's the signs of the times. But I want to remind you, we're, we're also living in the times of the signs. The, the times of the signs. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 31, it says, in the last days, perilous times will come. In the last days, perilous times will come. We're living in them, guys. Yeah. This is it. And in verse 13, it says, uh, evil men will grow worse and uh, worse deceiving and being deceived. We live in peril times. But, but the flip to that is in Joel 2, 28. 
In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Amen. Uh, and you see the rest of the scripture. So we're living in a pair of times of, of all this destruction and all this crazy chaos. But then it also says on the flip side that he's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And I believe today we've been experiencing the pouring of the spirit on our flesh. And so what happened to this sinful earth and, and, and perfect heaven is and it's been colliding. And so when we're having these moments of worship, we're, 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 we're bucking against the mind, the distractions. And he's like, I'm trying to pour it on you. Can you release it from your mind so it can go in and transform you? Because when you fully let it happen, it changes you from the inside out. Your walk is different. Your talk is different. Your sight is different. Your hearing is different. Your smell is different. You're like, what are you talking about? Man, God created all these for a reason. Your eyes are unveiled. What you thought was funny back then isn't too funny now. Come on. What you used to watch back then, when your eyes are unveiled, you're like, was I that enough? Come on, that's good. What you listened to back then, you might not listen to now. Come on. Was I that enough? He shall come, and he will pour his spirit on all flesh. We're thankful, amen? So we're living in a time of peril, we're living in a time of pouring out. We're living in both times, right now. In the last days, these things will happen. He already said that in the last days, the perilous time will come, and in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all. So look at the collide that's happening. Look at the craziness that's going on right now. All this crazy, evil stuff happening. And God's like, in the midst of that, I'm still wanting to pour out. Yeah. So what are you going to do? What side are you going to be on? You're going to get distracted and get in with all the craziness and get so consumed with it? Or are you just going to let him pour it out Yeah, good. on all flesh that wants to receive it? Because if you don't receive it, you're going to blame God. That's God's fault. He gave us a choice. To worship him. When God is going to do something, a miraculous and unusual and incredible thing in your life, usually it's preceded by a storm. Think about it. It's preceded by a storm. When God's going to do something, it's always preceded by a storm. A, a storm of adversity, a storm of negativity, a storm of setbacks. There's a story of Peter in the Bible, who's facing a storm. He's facing setbacks. It, 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 it's a crazy story. And many times we know what it is when, when God is doing something great in our lives and suddenly you hear this, this tremendous clap. Anybody hear the storm last night? No night? Bang! You hear this boom, and you, you, you hear this clap, and, and it's, it, it's a clap of discouragement. It's a thunderous discouragement. The lightning hits the, the bright lights of, of fear and failure. In the middle of a storm, you all of it's going discouragement, fear, failure, compromise, your past. 
And if you're not, because we're living in both times, if we're not careful, we will slide into our best. I, I gotta say it one more time to you. What part of your past did you think was gonna help your future? You know how many people go back to the same old thing? They go back and they keep doing the same stuff. They go back and they, they just, I just can't, I just can't, I'm just, I'm just broken, I'm just broken, I'm just broken. You stay broken. Stay on the wheel. Let it form you and shape you and transform you. You stay broken. Yeah. Then you blame the church. I'll go to another church that don't know me. You don't have to keep accountable. I'll just sneak in and make everything good. Praise the Lord. No, I'm not. This happens all over the country, guys, all over the world. If you don't get what you want, we go somewhere else and get it for a little while. And that season's done, we go somewhere else and get it for a little while. And that's because we get so full and the storm shakes us so much that we try to grab to it because that's what we're familiar with. When we're familiar with it, that's what we know. And sometimes people don't want to leave the, the flesh and the past because they don't know what it would be like to be whole. Because they're so used to holding on to it. It's set in my soul for so long since I've been a kid. I've been neglected or I've had this problem and I have formed my life around this. If I take it out, I don't know who I am. So I live like this. And then I, I teach my kids like that. But I don't mean to, but it's just because of my attitude and my demeanor. My kids grow up like that. When you allow God the great position to lay you on the operating table, you can be whole. But the thing is, is he, you can get up there and he's getting ready to do his thing. He's not going to make you stay. You've got to submit and surrender to him. He's the one. He's the great. You know, like if you have surgery, you want to go like to the best surgeon that you know that can do the job. Right. And you don't just go because you, you're like, well, I think you can. You go because of what? You, you've heard that he has. You've seen results from other people that's gone and had good turnout from this person's serving. <laughs> Jesus Christ is a great physician. Have you not heard what he's done? Come on. Have you not really heard all the good news of what he's done? We can sit here for hours. And hours and hours and hours and pass the mic around. And, and no matter what you face right now, there's still something good that you can talk about. Right. You hear the clap, you hear the fear, you hear all this. This storm is raging in your life. We see things begin to happen as the storm breaks out in our lives. We're terrorized with the evil thoughts of disaster. Because all, what does he want to do? He just wants to separate us. That's all the enemy ever wants to do. He wants to distract us and separate us. I'll say it like this. I need you to hear me today. I know we've had some moments, great moments so far, but I need you to hear me today. If you're in a storm, keep walking. Jesus is going to come walk on top of the storm. If you're in a storm, keep walking. Keep going. Don't stop. Don't stop. I'm just going through it. Good job. Keep going through it. It's not a bad thing. Just keep going through it. If you keep going through it and keep your eyes on him, you're going to find that he's going to meet you right there too. Oh, you're going through it too? No, I'm just here to meet you. Jesus already went through it. He died on the cross and rose and lives. He's just coming to meet you. 
And it's crazy because he'll take all those steps. He'll leave one just for you to take. Just keep going because he's right there. And, 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 and Peter, Peter is uh, in this moment. You, you, you can't quit. Don't give up. You gotta keep walking because you're in a collision course of a miracle. And your miracle is Jesus. Don't stop because you're gonna run right into it. Stay focused. See, Peter, he's leaving. They're all leaving and going in the boat and they're going to the other side. And you heard the story, and if you have it, real quick, small version of it, there's a big storm that happens. Jesus is like, I'll, I'll meet you on the other side. Now you gotta know that there wasn't a bad thing that just happened for a storm to happen. They just fed 5,000 people. And they had to get in the boat because there was no other way to get to the other side. People were surrounding them. I mean, there was a huge entourage. There was a lot of people. They said 5,000. They didn't really include the women and children, so do the math. A lot. So they had to go to the boat, and Jesus was like, go to the other side. Did you hear what I said? Jesus said, go to the other side. So my storm happened because Jesus told me to go. Hold up. Did you set me up? <laughs> I mean, think about this. The storm you're facing, is it, is it the enemy or did Jesus tell you to go to the other side? Long story short, chaos is happening. They freak out, see a ghost. I probably wouldn't blame them. All the stuff down, I don't even know about ghosts being cast in a lot But here comes Jesus walking on the water. And now what I love about Peter is he's, he's, he's in a weird way reckless. But in a crazy way, he's just got this crazy, wild faith about himself. If it's you, Lord, call me out because I want to come to you. Mm -hmm. I want to come awkward about this. Now, how would Peter hear about this? You know, because you're in the New Testament doesn't mean that there wasn't already an Old Testament and already scrolls written from the past. Right. So, it, it, it's, it's crazy. But he wants to go to him, so he does, and then all this stuff happens. And he starts walking. Nobody gives him credit at times. We're like, Jesus walked on water. Yeah, so did Peter. And then he sank. And then guess what? They pulled him up, and he walked to and he still walked on water. Defying all odds. Stuff that don't even make sense. But he put his eyes on Jesus, and guess what was crazy about him taking a step out? He asked. And the Lord said, Come. Can I help you guys with something real fast? Don't just go. If God says don't go, don't go. But if he says come, come. Too many times we, we want to jump the gun. We think that that's what God's will is. That's what God, I'm just going to go. And too many times we, we, we become reckless in a different way and we, we end up messing things up because we just took off. Like, yeah, Jesus said, yeah, we just took off. And he didn't ask you to come. If he says come, then come. There has to be a reason. Because he could have said no. No, say it. I'm coming to you. No, he said no, come here. You want to come out here? Come out here. Those other guys in there were crazy. Oh, bro, what are you doing? This is crazy. This, the water's filling up. The guys, you gotta understand this. Not these guys are fishermen. This is what they do. But this was so bad that they were at, they were saying they were going to die. Who was that bad? You ever watch Dan Lee's catch? I don't even know if it's so long. Man, those guys are crazy. And like, you would think at times with things in the storm and going up and down that it was just 
He began to notice the waves. He began to notice the wind. He began to cry out, Lord, save me. All because he took his eyes off Jesus. He lost that, like, I guess you would say that, that magical moment of, of the miraculous because he got distracted. Now, I, I got to say this because I'm the one, I want to bring this home. I want you to get focused on this. This is the real deal. Many of you are expecting these miraculous things in your life. You see, you're seeing God bless you in your home and in a mighty way, and even in your life at times. But I want to warn you about something. That when the storm comes, it's the enemy's job to get your eyes off of Jesus. And use distractions to stop you from doing what God is calling you to do. It's the enemy's job. Because he was distracted, all he got, because he was distracted, all he got to do was sink. I wonder what else could have happened if he wouldn't have just got distracted. All he got to do was sink. If you're going to hold on and ensure the victory, you have to keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. You have to keep walking. Now listen, I want you to notice this real quick. We're going to get through this. You guys good? Is this good? Okay. It's not rude. Um, listen, he's not distracted by demons. He's not distracted by demons and devils. The Bible says that he is distracted by the wind. The wind is a natural thing. It's just wind. The devil's designed for containment, for limitations, for re resentment, for restriction. His distraction is just natural. Natural things. Hear me, church. It wasn't a devil. It wasn't demons. Like, listen, I'm not saying that demons and stuff don't do, and the devil's not real. Don't get twisted. Don't be, because, you, you know, people do weird stuff online. They can be doing sound bites. You get your words all mixed. He's real. But too many times we give the devil more credit than he actually needs. Right. Oh, the devil, man. The devil, the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil. The devil sitting in a chair with his feet up. You, it's you, 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 you do that. <laughs> and I'll say it like this. The devil, yeah, he's trying to distract and destroy you. I'm not saying that he, he won't himself. But most of us are not fighting devils and demons right now. I know he gets behind the stuff. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, don't twist my words. He gets behind it, but usually the thing that holds us back from doing the unusual and the thing of God and doing the impossible is natural things. Amen. The wind is a natural, one of the, the greatest natural forces on earth. And what really hinders us sometimes from doing what we've been called to do it's not the devil face to face. 
nothing against you, but natural distractions. Natural distractions. It's more than natural distractions that take your focus off of Jesus. Things like paying your bills. Things like running all over the place. Doing stuff. Busy with stuff. Relationships. The cares of life. Places we have to go. Paint going in our house. We gotta fix something in our home. The car has problems again. This is going on at this place. This is happening at work. Natural things are more distractions than what the devil's gonna to try to do today. And these natural distractions are keeping us from keeping our eyes on Jesus. We're so distracted and consumed thinking we're, 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 we're so worked up by it. And all the enemy is trying to do is just shift your focus to the distraction instead of the one that can fix the distraction. We have to be careful that we do not allow natural things to distract us from spiritual things. It's easy to let natural things distract us from spiritual things. The moment that we get our eyes off the word, which is Jesus, what he's saying, and begin to focus on natural things, we lose our spiritual power. The moment our eyes are off, of, off the word of God, we lose our spiritual power. It's the wind. The wind is what the enemy used to distract. Peter didn't see the devil running around out there. He saw the wind. The wind became the distraction, and it took his eyes off of Jesus. The thing that really hinder you from doing what you're called to do is natural things. That's why there's a story in Luke. I'm just going to sum it up. And if you want to write it down, it's in Luke 14, uh, it's 15 through 24. But basically, what it's saying is uh, there's a master, and Jesus is giving a parable about a great meal. We're having a dinner. We invited people to come. And the master has prepared a meal, and he's called and sent out invitations, and, and he wanted these people to come dine at this dinner. He is prepared. It is laid out. It is elegant. It is awesome. The food is the best you probably ever had in your life. He has prepared a meal for you. Everything is ready. And the scripture says that there, uh, there was a man who bought a piece of uh, real estate, a piece of land, and he said, man, I can't come because I bought a piece of real estate. I, I really got to be looking at it. I got to kind of go out there and just scope it out. I just bought that. So I can't come to the meal. And another man said, sent, that he sent an invitation to me. He's like, man, I just bought five yoke of oxen. I love to come and dine but, and eat, but, but I can't come to the table. You understand? I mean, I, I got to train these ox, these animals so I can I, I, I can train them to go out there and plow the field. So I, I can't come because I got I got stuff going on. And another man just got married and he said, sorry, I, I'd love to come, but, but I'm distracted right now with relationships. I just got married. We're trying to, you know, just figure this stuff out. And right now is not a good time. We're trying to get this, get our lives in order. So I can't come to the meal either. And, and I'll, I'll say this, the adversary of involvement at the master's table was not demons and devils. But it was business. It was business. It was material things. It was relationships. 
that took priority over Jesus Christ.
It's a miracle of faith. When you keep your, it's not a miracle. We're not dictating. We're not doing it off of emotions. We're doing it out of faith. And faith says, I believe in what I cannot see. Because Jesus said it. You can do the impossible if you don't get distracted. Amen. 1 Corinthians 2.2 says, I am determined not to know nothing among you. I, I refuse to be distracted except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Just Him. I, I'm determined. Man, a determination? That's just keeping your eyes on Jesus no matter what else. Devil and hell can't stop you, but they still can. Distractions. That's what the story is trying to teach us. God wants to give his people unusual success, unusual victories, unusual blessings. But it wasn't the devil and demons that stopped him, it was actually just the wind. It was distractions. And I I'll say this because this, this has been like, do we feel like we're on a uh, weird boat with lots of waves politically? I won't get political here. Anybody feel like that? Up and down and you just get sick of it? You know how, like, anybody else yeah. to turn off the TV and news? Yeah, absolutely. But then you find yourself reading your friend's post that they think they're the news anchor. He was so confident. 
I had to go into town to go in. We're so far out of the country, you got to go into town and go hunting. That's a bad day. That's funny. I'm going hunting, honey. I'll see you on the But he lived so far out, and he would lay in bed with his wife. And he had a pond, and he had all this land, and he's a little farmer. And these frogs would croak all night. Oh, what the heck? He's like, I can't handle the croaking of the frogs. They're driving me crazy. There's got to be hundreds of them. And, and it said that he, he hired a, a frog digger. I don't know if you know who that is. Oh, my God. I just want to see. Nobody knows what that is. Okay. Country. Well, I knew I was in the halfway in the room. So I'm like, I didn't do it. You know, I don't even know how to take that. <laughs> Gigging. It's wrong. Basically, they get this statement seven and kill them. And, you know, the rest are sold. They might eat them. I don't know. Frog legs or something. Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted, Brandon. She was the same woman when she was a teenager put a real snake in her mom's bed while she was living. Is that true? Don't lie. She said, shut your mouth. That one was crazy.
in all the land. And he was riding through the kingdom. And he was the second only to the king of Persia. He was the second only to the king of Persia. His name was Haman. They called him a mighty man. I'm going to have to worship to you. Um, so just stay focused in this moment because I want to tie this all together for you real quick. Um, he was a mighty man. This king of, of Persia appointed Haman, gave him a reign, gave him position, gave him power, and it said that he was a mighty man, that he would ride through the, through the, uh, the kingdom, go through the city, and, and the Bible says that people would bow down and cry out, you, you are a mighty one. They would bow down as he rode on the horse. Hey, you are a mighty, you're a mighty man. It says except one person. And his name was Mordecai. Yeah. The, the whole place, when he rode, everybody bowed except one person. His name was Mordecai. And what's funny is if you read the Bible, it, it says a certain Jew. Like, I think that's what they would call me, Brandon, a certain person. <laughs> but listen, I'm going to be a certain person, or, you know, like more like a certain Jew. Everybody else might be a questionable, a question mark, but, but I would be a certain person. He was a certain person. You know who a certain person is? Can I just say, people that are not wishy-washy, and don't go one way with the saints and one way with the world. Uh, a certain person isn't one that just comes and goes as they please. They have a heart for God's house and they're committed and they, they know and they keep going forward because, it, because they have a heart for Christ. Not, not I'm going to do this and I have a moment with God in this little section, but then I'm going to get in the world because it's just fun on the weekend to do this. And I don't mind. That's wishy-washy. That's not a certain person. That's not a certain Jew. That's not a certain Paul. That's a distracted person that hasn't fully devoted the life to Christ. So you see, Mordecai, I can see him saying this, you know, because he's a certain Jew. You know, I'm a certain Jew. And I'm certain about one thing, that I'm not going to bow down to you. The only person I'm bowing down to is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You ain't nothing. I'm not bowing down to you, honey. You ain't nothing. See, that's that certain person. And so, Haman gets all upset about this whole thing. He refused to bow. And, and here's what we do. This is exactly what we do. Just like Haman. Instead of seeing the 99% of people that were for him, all the people bowed except this one guy. Haman, instead of seeing all that and ignoring Mordecai, I guess you could say Mordecai was like a frog. Instead of just ignoring Mordecai, just this one guy, you know, come on. What's this one guy going to do? Everybody else is bowing down. The, the, the king of Persia has, has given me the authority. This one guy, are you kidding me? Instead of letting that happen, he got home, he got aggravated, he was so fired up. You ever get so fired up that you think somebody's against you? It's the whole world. You ever get so fired up that you see something and, and you, you read into it and it can, it can really mess you up? Stuff that drives you crazy. 
And I get it. Self-drugs is crazy. This is worth coming to church for today. If you get nothing else, learn this. We get so fired up. If, if, it, if anything doesn't sink, let this sink in. If you don't feed it, it will start to death. If you don't feed it, it will start to death. You get so worked up. You, you see on social media all the time, somebody make a post, and then just post, post, back and forth. They're so worked up. Starve it to death. Man, I've been talked about. I've been stabbed in the back. You should see my stab marks. It's crazy. I'm head on. But what I have to do and what I have to learn is I just got to let it start. God's going to fight my battles. I need to fight these battles. I don't need to get distracted. I'm going to get out of the way. I got to stay focused. Let him fight the battles. Stay focused. He's been stabbed in the back. And sometimes the greatest thing you can do with somebody who's croaking all the time is ignore them. Yeah, no. Don't give them attention. Don't give them, don't give them a, a platform. Stop feeding them. Don't give them the microphone. Stop posting. Don't tell more people about them. Just ignore them. Right. If you ignore them long enough, they're going to stop. And if they don't, it doesn't have to dictate you because all is happening as you're trying to, it's shifting your focus off of Jesus. That's right.
This is so good. The scripture says at the end, it says that the night before, that the extraction was about to take place. It said the king could not sleep. The king was restless. He couldn't sleep. The king was not sleeping. Can I tell you something, church? I don't care. Whatever you're going through, let me just say this. And let it get in your soul. The king is not sleeping in your night. The king is not sleeping in your night. You may be going through something right now. Maybe a storm or whatever the case is. But the Bible says that the king was restless. He could not sleep. So whatever you're going through, that season. Here's what the Bible says. He was restless. He couldn't sleep. So he asked one of the guys to bring him the records of the kingdom. Okay, let me just make it modern real quick. I should have searched on my phone. I just, I gotta, I gotta read something. You ever lay in bed because you can't sleep and you just scroll? They didn't have the cell phones. They didn't have computers. So the king's got a guy with a sheet just wanting him to read. Can you just read me the things of the kingdom? What's been going on in the kingdom? Can you just read it to me what's been going on around the kingdom? I can't sleep. So he starts to read these things. So he reads them and he hears something he's never heard before. He hears about a name named, named Mordecai. And how he stopped the terrorist plot from going to try to assassinate the king. And the king shook up by it. And that Mordecai warned them and they caught the assassin before they could kill the king. And it says, the king says, listen, I've never heard this before. I've never heard this story before. The king says, why have I never heard this story? And the king says, what did we do? What did we do to the man to honor him and thank him and reward him for what he did? He saved my life. And they said, sir, we didn't do anything. He's like, are you kidding me? This man saved my life and we did not do one thing for him? He's like, who is Mordecai? Who is this guy? This guy that saved my life. And we didn't do one thing? I don't know who he is. And listen to the words that he says. The king says, I don't know who he is. He's a man whom I want to delight and I want to honor him in a big way. And the king says, man, I wonder what I could do. And as he's talking, he sees a commotion out in the courtyard. And he's like, who's out in the courtyard? And his personal guards are like, oh, that's, that's Haman. Now see, Haman's, he's feeling like he's going to get a promotion. He's excited. He's, he's I'm about to get with the king. I've already been doing some stuff. I'm going to shake it up. We're making things happen. I'm about to get a promotion. I need to talk to the king because i got something that works right now. And it says that he's like, yeah, Haman's really looking forward to seeing you. And what's crazy is Haman thinks he's getting all this. And then he says, bring Haman in. I want to talk to him. And then summons Haman and he said, Haman, go before the king. The king needs you. And they bring him into his presence, and the king says to Haman, he's like, hey, what do you do? I got a question. 
would do if the king had somebody that he would honor. He was thinking about honoring. And he wanted to honor and to, and to delight himself in him. And Haman's thinking, who else will he honor but me? You know, wink, wink. All right, king, I got you. You know, if it was me, I mean, what would you, what would you do, Haman? How would you honor somebody that, that, that would, you know, that the king would honor? What would you do? If you were king and you would honor you know, if that was me, you know what I would do? I will put the whole entire royal attire on. I'll dress him in royalty. You know, Haman's thinking, boy, I'm about to get dressed up. I would get the, I would get a crown, I would place it on his head. I would get the king's clothes, all the above, everything that the king has. And you know what else? I would get the king's horses. Man, I would get one, I would get his horse. You know that big white one that he had? I would get that horse. I would set him up on that horse. I'd have him all dressed up. Sitting up pretty, pretty high and strong. And guess what? You know what I would do? I would pray the whole streets. I'd pray him all the way through. I would get a crown. And you know what else I would do? I would have somebody go before him. So he's all decked out. But you know what I would do? I would have somebody go before him. And I would have them yelling the whole time. Behold, a man whom the king delights and a man whom the king honors. That's what I would do. That's what I would do. You know, because, you know, I'm just always giving the king what he's about to do. And the king's like, that's what he would do. He's like, you know, that's what I would do if he was asking me. Thinking that that's for me. And the king's like, listen, that's the greatest idea. Go do that for Mordecai. And you got to think of this. He's about to kill Mordecai. The reason Haman's there is because he made a news. He is about to hang him in the courtyard. And he has to talk to the king. Because he represented that, that frustration and distraction, but it got him so confused that he took it out on everybody. Amen. He got it so confused. And he's like, look, this is what I want to do. And the king that has no idea what's going on. And he said, I need you to do this for that. I need you to do this for him. Stand with me. We're going to, I want to close with this. this uh, I think I want to tell you that the king delights in you. The king delights and wants to honor you. Amen. He wants to dress you. Yes. He wants to lift you up. Yes. He wants to honor you. Yes. He wants to delight in you. Amen. He wants to honor you. He wants to promote you. The hour has come that God wants to delight and honor His church. Now listen. Bring it down a little bit. Because there's this, this weird thing that happens with the devil. The devil. Everything the devil has ever wanted for himself, the church has Everything the devil has ever wanted the church of God. Everything the devil. Jesus has given it to you. He's given it to me. 
He's given to the church, the body of Christ. For example, Isaiah 14, 13. Satan, Satan says, you got to read the Bible, man. It talks all about it. It's crazy. I will ascend into the heights of the heavens. Satan says this. You don't read that little part right there. I will ascend into heaven. No, you won't. You think you will, but you won't. You won't. Because that's what we're going to do. The devil ain't going to do that. We're going to do that. Because 1 Thessalonians 4 17 says, The trumpet will sound, and we will be called up to be the Lord in heaven. That's what we're going to do. That's the devil. See, the devil has, wants everything we have. He can't have anything. He can't have what we got. He says it again. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. No, you won't. You won't do that either. We're going to sit on the throne and we're going to rule and reign with Jesus Christ because he said, he said, I have thrones for you. He's not. He said, I shall be like the most high God. This is what the devil wanted. I shall be like the most high God. That's what he says in, in Isaiah. I shall be like the most No, you won't.
I hope that this journey we went on today, that helps you know that, listen, the enemy comes to still feel destroyed. We're right on that. But all these little distractions that you got with these, with this natural stuff of things happening, Peter's sinking because of the wind. What are you sinking in because of what you look at?